Good morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of The Bat Around. I'm your host, Paul Valley. He's my co-host, Ryan Blake. Uh, today is Saturday, January 6, 2024, our first show in the new year. So happy new year to everyone. Today's show is brought to you by Superbook. It's not just World Series futures that you can bet at Superbook right now. You can also bet who will win MLB's 2024 home run title. Aaron Judge is a favorite at five to one with Matt Olson ten to one and Kyle Schwarber twelve to one. Or you could go really crazy and bet Gunnar Henderson at a hundred to one if he hits fifty five home runs. I'd be thrilled. Uh, when you sign up at SuperBook, use the code PressBox twenty three and you'll receive a same day first bet match up to two hundred and fifty dollars. Win or lose, that's a same day first bet match up to two hundred and fifty dollars. Win or lose when you use the code PressBox twenty three when you sign up at SuperBook. Ryan. Good morning. How you feeling, man? Uh, I'm getting better. It, it's it. It was a slow process getting over COVID. I uh, I tested positive as recently as uh, Thursday morning, but uh, I'm gonna run a test today. Make sure I'm good to go to the Ravens game today. Sit out in the rain, watch the team. Uh, hopefully, knock the Steelers out of the playoffs. But uh, still a little congestion. I'm sure you can hear it in my voice. But overall, feeling better. No, nah, man. I, you haven't sounded sick to me at any point. You know, so you're you're a champion trudging through, man. I really appreciate you uh, coming through last night. So for those of you that don't know, I, I still work at a restaurant one night a week. And I had to switch my normal Saturday shift for a Friday shift because, big announcement, our, my wife is being induced uh, this weekend. And so uh, the next time you see me on the show, I will be a new dad. Um, so... Originally, we were going to induce tonight at 8 p.m., uh, but with the impending weather, uh, we decided to push to tomorrow night. So we'll be my wife will be induced tomorrow night. Hopefully, our daughter will be here not too not too far after. I thought I got rid of all the squeak toys. This is a brand <laughs> new one. I've never even seen this one. This pink pig thing. I think this might be a toy for our daughter that he somehow keeps getting. He destroyed. Oh, don't even worry about Bruce making noise. Congrats on becoming a dad. Congrats to oh. tomorrow. That's that's fantastic. So so happy for you guys. Thank you, thank you. But that's why I had to work last night. So Ryan took the reins and did the notes for the show. So I really appreciate you taking over uh, and doing that for me yesterday, Ryan. So yeah, man. really appreciate that. Um, Fangraphs is at it again. Um, having released the 2024 MLB uh, standings projections, Ryan and I saw the same tweet from Codify. Um, yeah. Ryan, you, there's nothing out there for, officially from Fangraphs, right? I scoured the website. I didn't see anything. I didn't see any, you know, Fangraphs writers or their official account tweet anything out. So I don't know where Codify got this information, but I guess we can take it for what it's worth. They're generally pretty accurate. Uh, but yeah, they have the Orioles finishing fourth, Paul. Yeah, have the Orioles finishing fourth behind the Yankees in first, the Blue Jays in second, and the Rays in third. Explain to me, um, and, and, and you know, this, this happens every year where I'm, I have no idea how it's going to be possible, and it still happens. How are the Rays going to win anything this year? Half their rotation has had Tommy John surgery. They're, they're trading away their best players. Their best player will never play baseball again. I don't understand how this team is going to be projected to win more games than the 101-win Baltimore Orioles. Well, they did just win 99 last year, so I'll give them a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. It seems like every single year we expect the Rays to be incredibly average, and every year they exceed our expectations. Mm -hmm. So on that hand, I kind of understand it. But on the other, for all the reasons you just mentioned, I don't really consider them much of a threat. 
Now, I understand with when you look at the Yankees, they just traded for Juan Soto, but they don't have a deep roster of talented players. Mm-hmm. They've got a few standout guys, a few of the top players in baseball, and beyond that, it's it's nothing. There was a stretch last year where their offense hit like 210 for like a month and a half. It mm-hmm. was ridiculous. Um, and the Blue Jays are the Blue Jays. You know, Every year it, we talk about how it's going to be their year. They're finally going to turn that corner. They never really do. Mm-hmm. And so I, I don't know, man, it, it, it's tough to project the AL East in 2024, but the Orioles in fourth to me is incredibly disrespectful. Oh, it's, it's absolutely disrespectful. When you look at how young this roster is, you look at the fact that they won 101 games last year. You put in the notes that the only player that they really lost that was impactful is Felix Bautista. And they've replaced him with Craig Kimbrell, one of the best closers of all time. And look, he's not going to be Felix Bautista at this point in his career. But we've discussed this at length in the past on this show. He's still going to do a solid job for you. And you have Dylan Tate coming back to help that bullpen. And you have Kyle Bradish, who finished fourth in Cy Young voting, and a Grayson Rodriguez, who had a 258 ERA in the second half of the season. To me, I think this team, look, 101 wins is is a really difficult thing to do. It's really hard to win 100 games in professional baseball. It just is. So do I expect them to do it again? No. Could they? Absolutely. But are they the fourth best team in this division? No. The Yankees, they have three players that that strike fear in you. That's Garrett Cole, Juan Soto, and Aaron Judge. The rest of the team is basically a beer league softball team that's over the hill. I, I just... I don't see it. Now, look, injuries can happen. And I, and I guess there has to be, Ryan, and correct me if I'm wrong, there has to be some kind of um, some kind of leeway that they give for a team that can spend an F ton of money. So if the Yankees are really falling out of it, they can do whatever they have to do or they can trade for whoever. They, but that brings the other problem. What do they have to trade from? So I guess if they're not making the signings right now, they're going to have to wait till next offseason. I, I just don't understand how you can possibly look at that Yankees roster, put it next to the Orioles roster, and say this team's three three teams ahead of them in the division. I just don't see it. Yeah, and uh, you know there were reports yesterday that they're interested in Blake Snell, that they you know might try to make an effort to trade for Dylan Cease, which is is something we'll talk about here soon. But I mean, look at their rotation. It's Garrett Cole, and then a bunch of guys who are not good. Nestor mm-hmm. Cortez took a massive step back last year. Carlos Rodon. And he got hurt. Carlos Rodon signed for a massive contract, was hardly healthy, and when he did pitch, he was awful. Clark Schmidt just isn't the prospect that we thought he was, you know, to, to help that rotation out. Uh, Luis Severino took a massive step back last year as well. It's just it's hard to look at that roster and say that they're anywhere near better than the Orioles. I get that they have Judge and Soto near the top of that lineup, and yeah, that's scary. I get that their ace is Garrett Cole. Yeah, that's scary. But beyond that, what are we afraid of? They're not the Bronx Bombers anymore. They're no. not the the whatever their their nicknames have been throughout the, the years. The, the evil empire, the, the Bronx evil empire. Bombers. Yeah, yeah. It, that's I, I, not I think that's them anymore. Too. Yeah, we're we're at we're at fifteen years now. And I I know we have no room to talk as Orioles fans, but they haven't been to a World Series in fifteen years. That's a long yeah. drought for them, and I don't and, I don't think that's changing this year or or anytime soon. So, and somehow they're picked every year to be first or second in this division, you know, and, and I get it. Two years ago, they were off and running. They had historically one of the best first halves of all time in baseball history. Then the next thing you know, 
they really fall back down to earth because it was Aaron Judge and a bunch of bag boys in the lineup, and they really fell back. They still won 99 games in 2022, but this, but last year wasn't 2022; it was 2023, and they didn't they didn't do much. They finished what fourth in division. Yeah, fourth. they there was a, a point in September I think where they were in last. Yeah, or tied yeah. with the Red Sox. And 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 this team they've added. They've added one significant player and a few fringe outfielders, and suddenly they're the top team in the division again. I, I just don't see it. And maybe they are projecting that they're going to go get Blake Snow and Jordan Montgomery. If that happens, then, yeah, that we can have a serious conversation simply sure. because they have two of the most dangerous hitters in their lineup, and they have a really tough rotation. But they don't have that right now. You can't make your projections based off of what they could do. I mean, the Orioles could go out and sign Marcus Stroman and trade for Dylan Cease. Then what conversation are we having? Exactly. You know? so, so, and uh, th- this is all taking these standings projections with a grain of salt. We don't know if these are official fan drafts projections. We, right. we, we all saw a tweet and, and started to pay attention to it. So I, I don't really know. But Paul, I, I would like to say one thing that I did find on the fan website, steamer projections for 2024 for okay. players. Now they have a top 10, they have a, a full list, but the top 10 in projected F war according to Fangraphs, or according to Steamer, I should say, which is one of their projection formulas, I suppose. Start off the list with Ronald Acuna, Juan Soto, Aaron Judge, Mookie Betts, usual suspects, right? Next on that list, Adley Rutschman, coming in at five. Behind Adley Rutschman, Jordan Alvarez, Fernando Tatis Jr., Julio Rodriguez, Jose Ramirez, and at number 10, Paul Gunnar Henderson. The Orioles have two of the top 10 projected war players on fan graphs as of right now in Adley Rutschman and Gunnar Henderson. Now I understand that we know what these guys are capable of. We've seen what these guys have done at the big league level, right? That's exciting to see those names among the best of the best in baseball. I mean, they were above names like Shohei Otani, Mike Trout, Vlad jr. Uh, everybody who's not in that top 10, these two guys are ahead of, right? So right. It's, I mean, how, how exciting is that? Well, um, I don't know, man. The Yankees have two of the top three, so that must mean that they're going to win the division. Uh, dang, I didn't year. consider that. Yeah. Um, no, it, it's super. I'm actually surprised to see Adley above Gunner because I think Gunner's going to be a freak this year. I mean, he already is, right? Yeah. Um, I, I think this is a guy who's going to be an MVP candidate from from the word go this year. But to have Adley and Gunner, and Adley. You can, he's one of those guys who's just going to get better and better and better as he progresses in Major League Baseball. We're, we're talking about another JT Real Muto, if not better. Um, it's awesome because also you think about it. These guys were drafted back to back in 2019 in the same draft. And they I, I saw hey, maybe it was Baseball America that said that if, if they, we were to do the 2019 draft over again, who would they who would they take? And they had Adley still going number one to the Orioles, but they had um, Gunner going number four overall to the to the Marlins and um you know these are the the cornerstone players these are the guys that you drafted with the idea that your franchise would be built around them and that's happening right before our very eyes it is so exciting that we can have this conversation right now we can talk about one guy who's already the best catcher in baseball as um as proved by his appearance as the um all MLB first team catcher Bruce say hi Hey Bruce. Um, and then Gunner, who is he's a freak. 
he's an absolute freak of nature. Bruce, you got to get down. Uh, he's an absolute freak of nature, man. I mean, he. Uh, this is a guy who's going to hit over 30 home runs this year. He's going to play Gold Glove defense, and he's going to he's going to probably have double digit triples. Which leads me to this question that I have for you, Ryan. And it's uh, and I just put in the notes quickly is the Rock article. Rock Abaco, uh, his blog post for today was talking about his bold predictions for 2024, and one of them was that Gunnar Henderson will not win a Gold Glove um, because. He's not going to play enough positions to win it for utility, and he's going to bounce back and forth between shortstop and third base. Is How do you feel about Brandon Hyde wanting to use Gunner at both positions and split time between both positions? I feel like if this is the guy who is the best player on your team until, you know, Jackson Holiday becomes a freak 2.0 um, – if this is a guy who's the best player on your team is going to be an MVP candidate, does he not deserve to be your everyday shortstop? Why do you need to bounce him back and forth? Do you feel like I do that this is a guy who's earned the right to play shortstop every day in the big leagues? I, I can certainly see that argument. I think if you look at Gunner's play, he's been just as good at third base. Mm-hmm. And with how many or- infielders the Orioles have, I'm sorry, I have, now I have a cat on my desk. Please don't touch my keyboard. Thank you. Um, with, with how many infielders the Orioles have, I understand you know having a little bit of positional flexibility. With that said, Gunner absolutely has the talent, all the talent in the world, to be a shortstop for 162 games. Yeah, he absolutely does. Now he has shown that he can handle third base and handle it very well. He, he looks like Manny Machado over there at times, but you know it, it's it's really tough to say. I'm not. I'm not concerned with it from a gold glove standpoint. I couldn't care less if he wins a gold glove. It's Same. a cool it's a cool accolade, but I mean Rafael Palmero. Yeah. Rafael Palmero won one at first base, having played like what forty some games there in yeah. one year. Uh, yeah, it's it's a meaningless award when it comes down to it. But um yeah, I, I absolutely think he has earned the right to be the everyday shortstop. If he ends up in a position where he's moving a little bit between short and third. I don't think it's going to impact his play. I don't think it's going to bother him from a personal standpoint, especially if the guys around him are also producing. Yeah. No, and and I can see that. And the, what what it, what worries me about it is um, to play in Major League Baseball, you've got to kind of have – to play any professional sport, you've got to have some kind of ego, right? You've got to have um, that air about you. Not to say that he's cocky or arrogant. I don't think you have to be that, but you've got to, you know – have a certain amount of confidence. And what comes along with that is the confidence to say, I want to play shortstop every single day. You look at Manny Machado and Manny and Gunner are not the same personalities. They are, they are polar opposites when it comes to personalities, but it makes me wonder if down the line, when it comes to time to try and extend Gunner Henderson, maybe they get that extension done before he hits free agency. I don't know, but he is a Boris client. Uh, it makes me wonder well, this team wants to give me $35 million a year, and they're going to let me play shortstop every single day. The Orioles want to give me $30 million a year, which I just can't imagine. Uh, the Orioles want to give me $30 million a year, and they want to play me at shortstop, DH, left field, and third base. And to me, it's which one are they going to choose? And if I'm a professional athlete that's good enough to be a star at the highest level, I have to think the ego comes into play there. I think – I think that's fair. I think part of it, you know, we we talk about the the clubhouse vibes of of this team and the friendships that these guys have cultivated as they've worked their way up through the system together. 
I think part of it too will depend on why is Gunner being moved, or more specifically, for whom is Gunner being shuffled. If he's playing some third base because his boy Westberg is handling shortstop mm-hmm. a couple times a week, I don't think he's going to have any problem with that. If he's getting bumped for Jorge Mateo to bat ninth and hit 206, then yeah. I think you're going to have a problem. I, I think, and if, if Jackson comes up and they want Jackson at shortstop and they, they have Gunner playing third, I think Gunner's going to be thrilled for Jackson. I, I just, I don't know. I think it, I think it depends on, you know, who his teammates are, who's playing around him. Um, when it, when it comes to ego, because it's, when it's your friends, I think mm-hmm. it's easier to put ego. to the Yeah. Side. I, I, so I agree with that to a, to a certain extent, but then you also have to think about another guy and you just mentioned him, Jackson holiday, number one, overall pick in the draft in 2022, number one prospect in baseball. He's a 20 year old stud. who's likely going to make his major league debut on opening day, playing second base for the Baltimore Orioles. Um, he's, he came up as a shortstop is we don't know. We haven't we haven't talked to Jackson Holiday. I haven't seen any interviews where they've asked him, do you prefer shortstop or second base, right? But is Jackson Holiday going to want to play shortstop ev- every day? Is it going to be is it going to be Jordan Westbrook over at second base, short uh Jackson at at shortstop and Gunner at third? To me, yeah, it's nice to have that versatility and you want guys to stay fresh at each position and not get too rusty at a specific position. I get the versatility. These are all young guys who are at the beginning of the major league career, so it's not an issue now. I worry about it being an issue down the line unless you say, Jordan, you're our everyday second baseman. Jackson, you're our everyday shortstop. Gunner, you're our everyday third third baseman. If you give them that position, that position is that is theirs. You have three different guys who can be the best player at their position if you were to do it that specific way, no matter where you have them playing. They could end up being one of the best players at that position. Then I don't think it's an issue. It's a constant bouncing around, and they, maybe they're wondering how this is impacting them. It, it, it behooves them that they have that versatility, but then somebody might say, well, you've never been a full-time shortstop, and we we so we're not comfortable doing that. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And, and Paul, we're not even talking about a guy named uh, Joey Ortiz, who maybe he's maybe he's mm-hmm. on the outside looking in. Maybe he maybe someone gets a little banged up in spring training and Ortiz yeah. cracks big league camp. I don't even think that necessarily and needs to happen. A, I think if he has a big camp, he could start the year as no, a utility infielder. It could, but he's also and we've we've talked about uh, about this in the past. Joey Ortiz is yep. a gold glove shortstop yep. right now. So. Look, it's it's a good problem to have. It's exciting, and you know we, we talked about Jackson Holiday a little bit on that. Those steamer projections on Fangraphs. If you go a little further down the list, Jackson Holiday is the third Oriole by WAR in those projections at two point six. So he could come up and that's make an crazy as well. because he spent what three weeks at AAA at the age of nineteen, and they're projecting yeah. him to be a nearly three win player. And, and that's higher than higher than Cedric Mullins, higher than Anthony Santander, Ryan Mountcastle. This kid is crazy talented. And I, re- I remember last year I was listening to an interview on the radio on my way back from the beach, and somebody I can't remember who it was. It may have been Jim Bowden who said that uh, he said at that point, which was like August, Jackson Holiday can come up to the major leagues right now and hit 300 the rest of the year. And, and we saw what he did during spring training last year, what he hit 381 with a 996 OPS plus at 19 years old 
in mate in, in his yeah, first yeah, major league spring training. Like uh, this this kid's going to be an absolute stud. I can't wait. And and you're right. It's a good problem to have right now. It's not a problem. It's going to rear its ugly head this year or maybe even next year. I just worry about it down the line. But if you lock them all up before they hit free agency. It doesn't really matter. So let's hope that can happen. Apparently, Scott Boris said that the Orioles have contacted him like every day about extensions. Maybe that's just him trying to save face for the organization. I can't imagine that that's the case. But, you know, you never, never know. want to remind you today's show brought to you by Royal Farms. No playoff football watch party is complete without Royal Farms world famous chicken. Get an eight-piece mix for just $12 or a 10-piece dark for just $15 at your neighborhood Royal Farms. Ryan, Ken Rosenthal reports the Orioles and Yankees are among the teams that have expressed sincere interest in the White Sox right-handed pitcher Dylan Cease. Uh, you you put down here the Masters Rockabaco additionally wrote earlier this week that the Orioles remain engaged with the White Sox on Dylan Cease. If you're if you're looking at it in a vacuum and it's just the Yankees farm system versus the Orioles farm system, there's not a chance that the Yankees can get a deal done that the Orioles can't beat. That's in a vacuum. Now, if you look at it, what the White Sox are asking for reportedly, from what, what I've seen, the Orioles and the White Sox are still far apart in negotiations. They're continuing to talk, but they're asking for the world plus the moon uh, at this point. Yeah, they are. And like you said, Paul, it, it's not even close when you look at the farm systems individually. I mean, the Yankees have four top 100 prospects, according to MLB Pipeline, none of which are ranked higher than 73. Meanwhile, the Orioles have six in the top 100, and they're all at least mm -hmm. 50 or above. 50 is Joey Ortiz. And then Your utility infield um, and, project could be it right. is a top 50 prospect. That's nuts. It's it's crazy. He's, I do too. I, I love Joey Ortiz. I, I, I almost wish we didn't have so many good infielders because I want Ortiz to get a fair shake, and I don't think he's going to get that that opportunity. But, I mean, yeah, MLB Pipeline's farm system rankings, their, their update near the end of last year has the Yankees at 21, and the Orioles are pretty much consensus top farm system in baseball. So when you look at, at depth of the farm, the Orioles absolutely could blow any team out of the water for anybody that they want, right? That's looking at it mm -hmm. on an individual level. What they're willing to pony up is going to be a completely different story. I've, I've, I've read that the White Sox are looking for MLB-ready outfielders. The Yankees have a couple of those that they could throw in the deal, Spencer Jones being one of them. He's their top prospect. Everson Pereira is another one. And, you know, some, some guys who can help round out that, that rotation. They've got Chase Hampton, who they could they could trade. A couple other pitchers a little further down the list. But, you know, the Orioles have some guys that they, I think, should mm -hmm. be willing to throw in the mix. But if we want to talk about prospects that the Orioles should not move, I think that list... Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree with you. Um, I mean, let, let's look... Before we talk about guys that, that shouldn't be, or well, eh, we'll talk about the guys that should be that, that, that should be considered untouchable. For me, obviously, Jackson Holiday, the conversation starts and ends at, at Jackson Holiday. There's no conversation if he if his name's mentioned, right? Um, I think Heston Kerstad, I think they're gonna have to throw in Dylan Cease and like Luis Robert or Eloy Jimenez to even consider moving um Kerstad in a in a deal for 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 Dylan Cease because you're you're not going to you're not just going to trade a, a huge package that includes Heston Kerstad for two years of Dylan Cease. I don't think you want to do that anyway. And I throw Kobe Mayo and Samuel Basayo 
into that mix too. I mean, I think that that you have to be blown away to give up any one of those guys and a package that includes two of those guys that it's not happening. It's absolutely not going to happen. Um, so then you, it, 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 is it safe to assume that you agree with me on that? I, yes, I, I do agree with you that I wouldn't, you know, center a package around mm-hmm. more than one of those top 50 guys. Um, with that said, I think for me, the only, if we're talking mm-hmm. about untouchable, Jackson Holiday is the really? only one for me. There are a lot of guys. There are a lot of guys I would not want mm-hmm. to move. Don't get me wrong. I don't want to trade Heston. I don't want to trade Kobe Mayo. I don't want to trade Samuel Basayo. But untouchable. That's Jackson. Yeah. Holiday. No. Uh, abs- abs- you know what? I, I I get I get what you're saying there. You know, there's it, it's like uh, Ted DiBiase, the million dollar man from WWE. Everybody's got a price for Ted DiBiase, right? So everybody's got a price. If if you're willing to give up the sun and the stars for and for um you know a package that includes Heston Kerstad, Samuel Basayo, and Kobe Mayo, there's there's a, a point where it's like you know what we're gonna do this because it's too good not to do. I, I understand that Jackson Holiday's that guy who you're not touching him. Um, but and Basayo is close. close. I mean, we're talking Besides about a 19 year old guy who's gonna spend the bulk of the season at, at AAA. Um, he is phenomenal. Yeah. Now, for me. I think that a package, if they're looking for major league athletes and they're going to want a pitcher in return too, right? You, I, I think that if you put a package together and you, you can tell me if this is too much of Colton Kalser, of, um, I don't know, a, a Billy Cook or a Judd Fabian or even a, um, a Dylan Beavers and Connor Norby and Joey Ortiz. I think that that's a move. And then maybe you throw in Jordan Armbruster or a Kate Povich or a Gene Pinto that could be something that could potentially get the deal done. Um, I think you're going to have to move. And what maybe what if you put put the package together that has Colton Kowser and Kyle Stowers in it? These are just things coming off the top of my head because I didn't realize that they were looking for uh, major league outfielders. What do you think is a deal that could get it done without completely fleecing the Orioles system? I think – Kowser and Stowers is a good place to start. I think the Orioles have, you know, they're, they're going to have to get rid of one blue chip prospect. And I think, I, I don't think it's going to be Westberg. I think he made too much of an impact on the big league club last year to be moved. I think Kowser is certainly a possibility. I think Kerstad is a possibility. Um, but yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, you're going to have to pull from that depth. And if Norby or Ortiz is, is one of those guys that gets traded, they have a bunch of decent pitching prospects. There, there aren't really any that stand out as you know future number two or number mm-hmm. three starters in a rotation. But they've got some guys that they could use to sweeten the deal. Uh, but yeah, I mean that's that's where I would start. I think um, you know if and I don't think they should be zeroed in on Dylan yeah. Cease either. I think they should be talking to the Brewers about Corbin Burns. I think they should be talking to the the Mar- the Marlins about Lazardo or whoever else they might be willing to move. I think they should be talking to the Mariners, see if they're willing to trade, you know, a Bryce Miller or a Brian Wu or even, you know, shoot a little higher, go for Logan Gilbert or, or George Kirby. I think that, you know, they should mm-hmm. be on the horn with a lot of these guys and try to figure out who can we get to add to this rotation without mortgaging a big chunk of the future. And if you can get a Lazardo for, let's say, Let's say you can get Lazardo for Kowser and Ortiz, or you can get Dylan Cease for Kowser and Ortiz and Beavers 
and Pinto and Armbruster. Which one are you taking? I'm probably yeah. going with the Marlins there. You know, so I, I think it's really going to depend on which teams they're able to make some headway with in these trade discussions. But I, I'm, it's 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 interesting, man. Michael Elias doesn't like to trade the guys that he has drafted yeah. and cultivated. It's that's just not what he does. And we're getting to the point now where he's going to have to. And so there are a lot of question marks. I'm yeah, really and I think it's going to be happening, happening in the next few weeks. You got spring training. It's it's crazily just a little over a month away at this point. And so here, here's the next question. This is something that really piques my interest here. How tied are you? Uh, how tied are you to Anthony Santander and Austin Hayes? Uh, could those be guys that are sent in a trade? And I look at it, and there's nobody that's going to play left field better than Austin Hayes. I think his value is in his defense, you know, and the guy can swing the bat a little bit. We see him put it. We haven't seen him put together a full season yet in his career, but this is a guy who made his first all-star appearance this past season. Uh, He was a gold glove finalist. Absolutely phenomenal out of left field. Nobody mans that wall better than he does. And at that point, I think it makes you more prone to trade than Anthony Santander because you can put Heston Kerstad in right field. Um, you can put Colton Kalzer in right field. <clears throat> you can put Connor Norby in right field. There's a number of players that you can put out there. And it's why I think that 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 Heston Kerstad is so untouchable because you want that left-handed bat. He has power to all fields. But, I mean, that's a guy who can just litter Utah Street Report. Utah Street Report. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that's a guy who can just litter Utah Street. I don't know why that came out that way. He, he <laughs> yeah, can just litter Utah Street um, night after night from that from the left-handed batter's box. Anthony Santander is a guy who's hit more home runs as a switch hitter than anybody else in baseball the last two seasons. He's a great clubhouse guy. How willing are you to trade an Anthony Santander to go, to go and get a Dylan Cease or a Corbin Burns or a Jesus Lazardo? I'm so willing, Paul. I'm so willing. I love Anthony Santander. We've been talking about, is he going to get traded for mm-hmm. four or five years? And speaking of Utah Street Report, I've written for them that I think the Orioles should be trading him. Um, in fact, I wrote one two or three years ago, and people called me insane. Was and, I one of those uh, people? Yeah. he's okay. No, no, I don't think so. But he's he's proved me wrong a little bit. There's there's the usual suspects on, on social media. Um, but, you know, it, it's... He's he's meant a lot to this team. He has grown significantly as a person and as a player. He's led the team in home runs several times. He's a good middle of the order bat, but we've talked about it, Paul. He's really a five or a six if if you look at his numbers. And I think we know at this point what he is for an yeah. offense. And I think the Orioles have too many guys with the potential to be better. That Yes, I am willing to trade Anthony Santander. I think the Orioles should be trying to trade Anthony Santander. And I'm probably going to catch some flack for this again. But, and I, look, I understand prospect hugging and, you know, Kowser we thought was a sure thing and he came up and struggled heavily. Kerstad might end up striking out 40% of the time and that's going to be a problem, right? We don't know what these prospects are going to turn into, but we have these prospects mm-hmm. who deserve a shot. Mullins isn't going anywhere. Austin Hayes, I think should be your everyday left fielder. 
That leaves one starting outfield spot. You're going to give it to Kowser. You're going to give it to Kerstad. You're going to give it to someone else. I think Santander should be, you know, someone the Orioles are calling teams about and saying, look, we've got this guy. He's an established big leaguer, but we think we can do better. Well, you don't tell other teams that. But well, I think you, know, you, know and you, you mentioned that. Uh, don't tell other teams that I think we can do better. I think that uh, I'm sorry if you guys can hear Bruce barking. You must see another dog out the window. Um, but there's um, you listen to what Mike Elias said about Kyle Stowers recently, about how this guy still has a big, has a bright big league uh, career ahead of him. He's a solid player who's firmly in the Orioles' plans. Don't be surprised if he's part of a package because my, that because Michael Elias is talking him up to make it known that this is a commodity for the Orioles that it could be a top commodity for another team. And and, and it, it goes right into, into what you're saying where, you know, you have a lot of guys for not a lot of positions. You have one starting outfield spot. You, you've got these guys that you want to take a look at. You're either going to package them in a trade or you're going to have them playing in the outfield for you. Number of guys – Anthony Santander, we know what he is. He's a five hitter. He's a six hitter who bats third or fourth for the Orioles on a nightly basis. And, you know, he's got, what, is this his last year of control? I think he's a free agent after 2024. Know. If you're, tra- if you're trading him in a package and maybe, maybe that's a guy that that's a guy who Ryan, let's be honest, another team might want to sign him to a four year extension, you know, whereas the Orioles, they have no reason to because they have, so many guys who can come in and take a spot who are younger and under team control. You could trade him to the White Sox and they could 100% sign him to four years, $80 million and roll with him as their everyday right fielder and some and part-time DH. You know, um, there's, there's a lot of opportunity here for the Orioles to make a move. We talk about their prospects and how they have the number one farm system and they can deal from all these prospects, but they also have some major league players who could be getting pushed out because of that farm system who could be part of a deal. So I don't want to limit it to just that. It's going to be an interesting uh, last few weeks before we hit spring training um, to see what the Orioles do. I do think a move is not, another move is coming. Uh, if you read between the lines, and you don't even have to read between the lines, he basically says that Rockabaco in this morning's blog post essentially said he's not so sure that the Orioles are going to be able to trade for a top-line starting pitcher because the asking price is so high that he thinks they might end up pivoting to a middle-to-back-end rotation piece. Um which then, if and when that happens, we'll do another conversation on this show about how strong we feel about the Orioles, um, about the Orioles rotation. And I still think that if you can get Marcus Stroman for three years, seventy million, that you should be you should have pulled the trigger on that two months ago. But again, conversation for a different day. Though we seem to have the same conversation every week when it comes to the starting rotation. Yeah. I want to remind you. Uh, today, content, today's baby. show brought to you by the best of press box print issue press boxes annual best of issue is available now on the cover we celebrate brandon hyde as our mo gabba sports person of the year and the orioles as our team of the year and inside we recognize the top people performances and moments of the year in baltimore sports pick up your copy for free to date your neighborhood royal farm store or you can read the entire issue and every issue at press box online Line.com. Ryan, uh, I didn't see this. You saw it, so I'll let you kick this one off. John Heyman's report um, about uh, Ryan Brazier. Yeah, it was just a tweet he fired off yesterday. Um, the Orioles, along with the Cardinals, Rangers, Dodgers, Angels, and Cubs, are supposedly involved in the market for free agent reliever Ryan Brazier, who spent five and a half years with the Red Sox. 
started his career, I think, with the Angels uh, back in 2015. Five and a half years with the Red Sox. Was not very good near the end of that. Had an ERA over seven over the first couple months of last year. The Red Sox released him. He signed with the Dodgers on June the 4th. And all he did the rest of the season, Paul, was uh, a 0.70 ERA in 38 and two-thirds innings. Uh, that's three earned mm-hmm. runs over that stretch. Now, in his five and a half years with Boston, he posted a 455 ERA in just over 200 innings pitch. I think it was 209 and a third, somewhere around there. Is he an intriguing option for the Orioles as they look to fill the void that Bautista has left? For me, Paul, it's... It, it, no, yeah, it, it, it would I, be a depth I, move for me. But he did I, I think the it would be a strong. depth move too. You look at what he did in his first year with Boston in 2018, uh, 34 games, a 160 ERA. Then it was 485 and 62 games the next year, 396 and 25 games in 2020, 150 and 13 games in 2021, 578 and 68 games in 2022. Also, while we're at it, he, he did start with the Angels in 2013. Where the hell was he for the five seasons after that before he reappeared with Boston in 2018? It's He's a uh, another Dylan Bundy. Bundy made his major league debut in 2012 and didn't get his first big league strikeout yeah. until 2016. Like, that's, that's crazy to me. I, I'm going to look at, at the minors for him right here. He was – I didn't even notice that. Yeah, he did pitch it all in 2014, and then he was in uh, AAA – 2015, 2016, didn't pitch in 27. He must be have been often injured. Look, for me, I think that the Orioles bullpen, when you when you incorporate the fact that um, Dylan Tate's coming back, I think the Orioles bullpen is pretty much set. And you're going to have rotation <clears throat> that's going to push out guys like Tyler Wells and Dean and and, um, and DL Hall likely. Uh, you have Cole Irvin, who's probably going to be a spot starter and a swingman for you, uh, a, a long relief type of guy. Uh, your back end of the bullpen set with with Cano and Perez and Kimbrell and Danny Coulomb. Uh, To me, a guy like Ryan Brazier, if you sign him at all, it will be a depth move, and he's probably going to start the year at AAA, which then leads to the the idea or lends to the idea that if the Cardinals, Rangers, Dodgers, Angels, and Cubs are also involved, he's going to go to the team where he's going to have the best chance to make their their roster, which to me is probably the Angels or the Cardinals. If I if if I'm looking at things because yeah. the Orioles, you don't have a spot. You're you're hoping for a spot, and let and if you're in a situation where you want to join a team that has the best chance to win, and you're choosing between the Orioles and the Dodgers, you're probably choosing the Dodgers, right? Especially if you've been out in LA in the right. past and you're comfortable yeah. there, you're probably choosing the Dodgers. The Orioles, you're not having a spot to start the year unless there's an injury. So I, I I think it's a long shot right. that they sign him, and if they do, it's a depth move. I just can't imagine hit him wanting to sign that deal. And if he already has pitched with the Dodgers, he's going to stay there if there's the opportunity. Yeah, I, I think so too. It, it wouldn't be anything more than a depth move for us. I, and I think that you know with his success in in LA, it wouldn't surprise me to see the Dodgers bring him back. I also think there's a possibility that his strong performance to end last season. It's going to bump up his price tag just a, a tad bit too much for me. It's not a risk that I'm willing to take. It'd be fine as a depth move. I, I don't want to give him more than yeah, a couple I, million. Yeah, I don't even want to give him that much. And, and, and that's not that's not to be cheap. I just yeah. th- there's not a need. There's not there, there's not a need here now. Right. Do, now, 
that's not to say that I don't think that the Orioles should add another reliever. I think that they absolutely should add another another reliever, but I want to want them to add a reliever that you know is going to be a guy that's a main cog in in your bullpen in case CNL Perez reverts back to his uh, first half of 2023 form or Danny Coulomb, you know, he had an injury history before he got to Baltimore. If something happens with him or Craig Kimbrell ain't that guy uh, that we hope and think he can be, you want to have that that insurance policy. Ryan Brazier's not that guy. So I'm not willing to add to no. add another guy who's just another guy. I want that dude to be a dude. Yeah. And and we already we already traded for Jonathan Heasley, so he might be in the middle rotation mix. I, I, yeah, I think they've. I, they're, I, they're I don't think they do either. Uh, just want to remind you, today's show brought to you by Help My Gambling Problem. If you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call one eight hundred Gambler or visit HelpMyGamblingProblem.org for free confidential services. Ryan. The Orioles, you know, it's the off season, and they were eliminated th- four days into the post into their postseason run. So their postseason run where they got swept. So, but it has been mm-hmm. an eventful off season. We've seen um, awards out the wazoo. Gunnar Henderson's your rookie of the year. Michael Elias, your executive of the year. Brandon Hyde's your manager of the year. You have your your uh, relief pitcher of the year in. Um, uh, Felix Bautista, and then you look and you have three guys who are either first team or second team all MLB. It has been an exciting offseason. They announced the caravan that's coming up in just a matter of, what, three weeks? And then on top of that, now we get a 2023 Orioles documentary. 101, the story of the Baltimore of the 2023 Baltimore Orioles. They will be releasing a film commemorating the 2023 season on Wednesday, January 10th at 7 p.m., we both saw the trailer, and we love this team. There's no getting around the fact that we love this team. Uh, they came out of nowhere to win 101 games, and <clears throat> that tr- that trailer, the emotion that you see from the, from from the people that they interviewed, just that we saw in that trailer, you're excited. You're, you, I cannot wait for this. Like I already know, I'm gonna have I'm gonna have my daughter in my arm, probably sleeping, and I'm gonna be sitting there watching this at seven o'clock on Wednesday night. Your thoughts, how that trailer made you feel, how are you feeling about this, and then we'll get into a little bit of controversy, if you will. Yeah, the, the trailer, I was, I was almost choked up a little bit, you know, showing some of the the clips of how the Orioles aren't going to be very good. They had the the Steve Phillips clip of him saying, you know, they'll be lucky to get the third wild card. Kevin Brown talking about the team, and you know, seeing the the shots of Cedric Mullins getting hurt and Felix Bautista getting hurt. Um, the trailer was awesome. It, it, it hyped me up. It gave me chills. Excuse me. I need to blow my nose. Um, it, it was awesome to see. And, you know, I understand that the Orioles fell out of the playoffs very quickly. They got swept. But, man, it was a hell of a fun season. And for that reason alone, uh, just feed me all the content. Give it all to me. I don't care. I don't care that we got – I mean, I care that we got swept. But I don't care that we got swept. Give me the movie. I want to relive the 2023 season as many times as I can. Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm with you. I mean, <clears throat> you mentioned in here in the notes that does it make us look bad? The Dodgers, the Yankees, etc. They don't release movies every time they win 100 games. Uh, these things aren't the same, right? The Orioles right. went from I mean, they lost 110 games in 2021 to winning 83 games in 2022 
everybody's like, oh, they're going to take a step back. Maybe they'll compete for a wild card, that, that third wild card spot. They went out and they won the second most amount of games in baseball. They won 101 games. They were the number one team in the American League. They won the best division in baseball and did so by being, what, 32-20 and 20 in the division. What the Orioles did this past season was absolutely remarkable. So you look at that. Yeah, they got swept in the playoffs. They didn't make a deep postseason run. But this wasn't supposed to happen. They won more games than any team has in Baltimore in 43 years. No team has won over 100 games, over 100 games since 1979. Yeah, I think it was the 82 Orioles won 100 games, but they missed the playoffs. I think the 80, I think a few of those teams in the early 80s may have won 100 games, but didn't make the playoffs. Yeah. But the, this team won 101 games with a, 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 an average age on their roster of what, like 25, 26 years old, you're being led by a couple of rookies yeah. and Adley Rutschman and a rotation of complete inexperience aside from Kyle Gibson. What they did this year was remarkable. And you also have to have your finger on the pulse of the city. I can't remember a time where there was more excitement around the team than there is around this Baltimore Orioles team. And that includes the, the Buck Showalter years because the Buck Showalter years, it, we had that – we had they had that um, that beer league softball team feel because all they did was mash a bunch of home runs and just try to outscore their opponents. I mean, they, they, there was one year where they had more home the most home runs in baseball and gave up the most home runs in baseball. You know, so it's <clears throat> this year you have a team that's young, that's hungry, that just won 101 games. It's a team that has a really great offensive profile and also has the pitching to back it up. This is the most exciting team, maybe aside from the 97 Orioles, probably the most exciting team in my almost 40 years of life. So if they win 105 games this year and get bounced in the playoffs, unless they win a world series, they're not getting another documentary. It's like the same thing that happened in 2012 when we got the buckle up birds, they hadn't made the playoffs in four in 15 years. So we got a DVD to commemorate, to commemorate this amazing turnaround going from 69 wins in 2011 to 93 wins in 2012. They do that for these special seasons. If it happens again this year, you're not getting another one. It's fitting because they have their finger on the pulse of the city, and this is what the fans want. Now, I want to uh, – Adip Mahmood, and my man, you you comment on all of our shows. Thank you so much for tuning in. And if I mispronounce your name, I'm so sorry. He commented, uh, this movie feels like a longer and documentary version of Raven's Wired, which is accurate, I think. Um, By the way, can we talk about how awesome – how lucky we are as Baltimore fans to have two teams with production teams that are yeah. so good. The the Ravens hype videos and Ravens Wired. At, with with Ravens Wired, we're getting a free version of Hard Knocks, essentially. Yeah, it's awesome. And Orioles, the Orioles social media content videos, consistently yeah. awesome. How lucky are we to, you know, to call these two teams our favorite? It's 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 great to me. Uh, but yeah, it's it's fantastic. I think that we get this documentary to commemorate the season. It was the most fun I've ever had watching the Orioles. I'm sure a lot of other fans feel the same way. So a- yeah, feed me all the absolutely. content. Absolutely, I want more of it. Um- Ace commented, "Eh, we got knocked out right away. Didn't need a movie yet, in my opinion. Look." 
The, you made it to the playoffs this year, winning 101 games. You got that first round by in the playoffs. So if they, when do you need the movie? Do you only need the movie when they win the World Series? Because if you only need the movie when they win the World Series, then how long are you going to be waiting for that? For me, who's it hurting? What what does it matter? They're not mass producing this for the entire country. It's for us. This is for the fans of the Baltimore Orioles. If they want to make a damn documentary at the end of every season through when they win their first World Series, I'm here for it. You know, I'm a- I'm absolutely here sure. for it because this is my team. And if I'm getting content about the Baltimore Orioles in the middle of a friggin' snowstorm in January, bring it on. I want to feel like spring. And the Orioles make me feel like spring. They make me feel alive. Let's go. Give me all the documentaries. I, I agree with you. I'm going to play devil's advocate. I understand how some fans oh, might it. feel like it is kind of a bad look. You know, I mean, like like I said in the notes, the Dodgers, Yankees, teams like that, they don't release documentary films when they win 100 games. But they, they're supposed to be used to it, right? The Orioles are not used to it. It was a fun season. It was full of surprises, full of excitement, full of energy. And... It was it was fun for me, you know. We, we we had our DVD in 2012, the Buckle Up Birds, and then we went on. That was the beginning of a five year run where we had the best record in the American League. We make a documentary for 2023, and it's it's a YouTube video. Mm-hmm. That's what it comes down to. Like you said, they're not. This isn't going in theaters. This isn't you know being broadcast on MLB Network. This is going to be on the yeah. Orioles YouTube channel. So like. Yeah, yeah he's I'm, hurting, like I'm all said. for it. Give me all the content. Ace, you then just commented, gonna jinx us. Jinx us as when it comes to what? Like, what are, what are, what are, and please, if you're watching live, man, please comment back. I don't know how we're gonna jinx, jinx the Orioles out of, out of, out of what? Yeah. The cheating scandal is gonna come out and we're gonna have to forego or forfeit. I, I, I don't know. And, and look, I'm, I'm not trying to disparage you at all. I just don't know how us being okay with a documentary is going to jinx the team. Unless you're talking about me saying if they want to do it every year until the Orioles win a World Series, maybe you're like, well, now it's going to be 17 years until the Orioles win a World Series. <laughs> yeah, Paul. I, I, I don't it, know. I, I just I think that this team has so much young talent. I think that they're going to lock up some of these young players. And I also like firmly believe that at some point, this owner is not going to be the owner and they're going to have somebody in here. That's going to be willing to spend money on this ball club. Also like, and and maybe I'm, this is just me being a little bit hopeful. I really feel like the comments that John Angelos made about the team saying, you know, we can't afford to give guys these massive contracts. We'll be underwater financially. I felt like that was a tactic for him to try and have leverage to get the, the, the lease agreement that he wanted. And I think that now that the lease agreement's in place, I don't think, I hope that that's exactly what it was. It was, it was a negotiating tactic. And that now that the lease agreement's in place, maybe he's willing to open, uh, to loosen the purse strings a little bit. It's, it's a complete, you know, mindless hope because I, Everything we've seen from John Angelos over the last 18 months suggests that that will never happen. But who the hell knows? I think I know. But, you know, yeah. who, who the hell knows? <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, us talking about a documentary and the Orioles being a good team for the foreseeable future, we're not going to jinx that because all you have to do is look at the roster and look at the farm system. And 
and look at who's running the team. Um, as you know, from a personnel standpoint, not talking about who's owning the team, who's running the team. And I think that you can, you know, be safe in assuming that the Orioles are going to be a good team for the for, for the foreseeable future. Uh, today's show brought to you by Project Game Day. There's no Project Game Day this week because today's game might be a glorified preseason game. So there's no point in talking about it afterwards. But join Glenn, Rita, and Femi Ayambadejo right here on the same press box pages for Project Game Day following all Baltimore playoff games this year. Project Game Day is brought to you by Superbook Sports, AJ Michaels, and HelpMyGamblingProblem.org. Oh, Ace was saying, Ace was saying that the, that the, the, the that putting out the documentary jinx. is going to jinx the team. I don't know, man. It, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, still, I, I, I do, but look, like like I said a minute ago, they released the documentary in 2012 after making the playoffs for the first time in 15 years, and then they had the best record in the yeah, American League. Yeah, they, the they did miss the playoffs so, like, in 2013, I, though. Yeah, they did. That's true, but they weren't coming off a hundred and one win season. They were coming off of a ninety three win season where they massively overachieved based That's on true. the talent they had on their roster. That's That's true. not the That's case true. with this team. Um, and look, I people say I have no impact on this. You have no impact on that. There's no such thing as a jinx. I disagree. I firmly believe that you can manifest things. I firmly believe that you can put things out into the universe, and then it, it can it can impact things. We've we've seen it too many times. Do I at the end of the day, do I think that you or I has a, a direct impact on the team? No, but I do believe in the announcer jinx when a guy misses a field goal, stuff like that. I just it's just like shut up. I don't want to risk anything. You know what I mean? I for, uh, so I, I'll give you a yeah. prime example. I was I was watching the Ravens game a few weeks back with my with my best friend Adam and our friend Brandon, and it was the game against the Browns. And in eleven minutes and thirty four seconds, the, the Ravens took a two touchdown lead in the fourth quarter. They were up by 14 points and Brandon goes, well, that's a game. They're not coming back from that. I said, you shut the hell up. There's 11 minutes and 34 seconds left. Don't jinx this team. <laughs> the Ravens lost that football game. I firmly blame mm. Brandon to this day. I will always blame him for that loss. I know it's stupid, but you, when you're an athlete, you play sports, you've watched as many, as much sports as I have. Jinxes are a real thing. And you won't convince me otherwise. Um, yeah. I, before yeah, we start sure. talking a little bit about the Ravens, um, I do want to get to some of our comments from our uh, from our fans here or watching. So, Ryan, did you have something you were about to add before we do that? No. Okay. Not really. Uh, Tyler Horton. Tyler Horton is actually um, uh, he is a he's te not technically family, but he's engaged to my wife's cousin Amanda. Uh, let's go, O's. Absolutely. Let's go. O's. I'm, yeah, that's the that's the basis of the show. Um, Adit Mamu, guys, <laughs> I think are untouchable. Holiday, Mayo, Basayo, Heston. I think they're willing to trade some of Westberg, Ortiz, Cows, or Norby, but I think Getz wants someone from the first and second group. Um, I don't think that Westberg is a guy that they're trying to trade at this point. I think that they liked what they saw in that small sample size in 2023. I'm going to keep that up there just so we can uh, you know, reference it. Um, I think that Jordan Westberg has a really bright future for the Orioles. I don't think that he's a guy that they're trying to trade at this point. I think any of Ortiz, Kowser, Norby um, could go. And I don't, I don't necessarily, I, I agree with the first four holiday, Mayo, Basayo, Heston, but I think that if Heston is the set, if one of those guys is not holiday or Basayo, so I guess Mayo or Heston is the centerpiece of a deal. Then I think that, that, that with other things around him for a big time player, 
I don't think that they're untouchable. I think it's going to need to be a deal that's going to blow the Orioles away. Right. Yeah, I think so too. Um, I, you know, we talk about the phrase untouchable and there was a time not too long ago when Dan Duquette called Michael Givens untouchable. Oh man. I'm glad I forgot that. So I think, I think we, (laughs) I'm sorry for bringing it up, but it's, I feel like we just, we need to be careful with that word because what does untouchable really mean? It means means, don't touch me under no circumstances. Under no circumstances do I consider Mm -hmm. trading this player, right? If the Yankees called us up and said, we'll give you Juan Soto for Samuel Basaya. I'm doing that. Yeah, bro. Are you though? Because he's a free agent after this year. And you're probably not going to extend it. Yeah. I want a a year of Juan Soto in Baltimore. Anyway, it's it's a it's a crazy hypothetical, yeah. but you understand what I'm saying. It's it's would you trade this player under any circumstances? And the only guy for, who that's a no for me is yeah. is Holiday, like I said before. Uh, but I, I agree. I agree that the White Sox uh, didn't want the, a couple. If of they guys. move on from C's, could they pivot towards Edward Cabrera, Trevor Rogers, Braxton Garrett instead of Lizardo? Um. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they they, they absolutely. absolutely could. Um, but I don't know that if you're if you're not talking about Lazardo, I don't know that those guys fit the bill of what the Orioles are willing to make a trade for. Um, when they can f- probably find, you know, Trevor Rogers was really good a couple of years ago, and then he kind of fell off a little bit in the last two seasons. Um, Edward Cabrera, Braxton Garrett, I don't know too much about them, and I think that the fact that I don't know too much about them kind of speaks to the fact that I don't. Uh, if the Orioles aren't going to trade for a Lazardo or a Cease or a Burns or a Shane Bieber, then they're probably going to go the free agent route for somebody who's middle to back end. Uh, I, I will say about those two guys, sorry to, to cut you off, Braxton Garrett wouldn't mm-hmm. move the needle much for me, but I would I would be thrilled if the Orioles were able to get mm-hmm. Edward Cabrera for cheap. I think I think he could be yeah very, yeah very and, and Ryan I'll take your word for it you know I I don't watch enough Marlins and you know this past year in particular was one of the busiest craziest years of my life professionally so it's um one of those things where I, I just don't know um I just where I just don't know enough about the guy you know um we we do have to get to That's our fine. final uh, we don't have to get to it but we do want to talk a little bit about the Ravens we only have about a minute left to do so Ravens. Uh, they're all, all your in. ads they're in. All in. So the Ravens kicked Good. the absolute snot out of the Dolphins. It was a game that was close for about three minutes of the first quarter. And I mean, 56 to 19. What do you really say about that? Except that the Ravens are the best team in football. They're resting everybody today. OBJ is not playing. Lamar's not playing. I'd be surprised. They said Kyle Hamilton's questionable. I surprised. I'd be surprised if he sees the field. Ravens getting the that first round by any concern you. about the first round by and these guys not playing for two, three weeks. Um, any, uh, any concern about the rust, Ryan? Yeah, but it's yeah. just PTSD. I mean, we, we saw in 2019, they cruised to the one seed 14 and two, and then they came out incredibly flat and got bounced in yeah. the divisional round. I I'm not as nervous that that's going to happen with this team. I think this team is far more well-rounded. I think they will be, far better prepared with the coordinators that they have in place. But yeah, it yeah. freaks me out a little bit. I'm not going to lie. The Orioles just had the one seed mm-hmm. and they got swept in the first round. I look, I want a war. I think this team is more than capable of winning a world series and I mean, anything short Super of Bowl? that for this team, I think would be a huge Super disappointment. Bowl. Super Bowl. Yeah. Sorry. 
anything short of, of at least an appearance in the Super Bowl this year, anything short of an AFC title would be pretty disappointing. I absolutely 100% agree with you. We're running a little bit over here, so I apologize. Um, I 100% agree with you that the um, the Ravens are Super Bowl or bust. They're, and when I say Super Bowl, I mean getting to the Super Bowl. If they don't win, they don't win. But we've seen their track record when they get to the Super Bowl, 2-0. Um, Lamar, look, the passing touchdowns aren't, aren't where they were in, 2020, in 2019. The rushing yards aren't where they were in 2019. But all you have to do is watch this cat play and know that he is a far better player now than he was in this unanimous MVP season in 2019. I wouldn't be surprised if he wins unanimous MVP again this year. He's been off the charts, and it's more than just the numbers. It's what he does for the team. And this team, without Lamar Jackson, they're a shell of what they are. Um I think that this team is more motivated. Their defense is better than it was in 2019. They have more skill at their position at the for the position players. You look at the fact that um, 2019. Why did they lose that that divisional round game? They had seven drops. Mark Andrews. They were driving down the field on that first drive. Ball off his hands gets intercepted. They don't score. I think if they score a touchdown on that first drive, they that game goes a lot differently. You looked at Seth Roberts. Nobody within 10, 15 yards of him. It would have been a 63-yard touchdown. Literally, the ball landed in his bread basket in his hands, and it went right through his hands. That's that that makes a difference in the game. You've got Zay Flowers, Odell Beckham Jr., Mark Andrews might be back. You've got Isaiah Likely, Rashad Bateman. you got maybe the best fourth wide receiver in football, Nelson Aguilar. Uh, this team is leaps and bounds better than that 2019 team, and I think that their motivation and their, their the fact that they're lock, as locked in as they are right now, uh, I don't think there's a team in football that can beat the Ravens aside from the Ravens. And and real quick before we end this, uh, watching Lamar's post game interview after the Orioles blew the doors off the Dolphins, fifty six. Sorry, Orioles? it's an Orioles show. Fifty six. It is an Orioles show. Fifty six to nineteen, the Orioles demolished the Dolphins. And Lamar in his post game interview, he did. I said Orioles again. That's so funny, man. Yeah. Just keep going, keep going. My my point is, uh, Gunnar Henderson only cares about winning the Super Bowl. If you listen to his <laughs> interviews. Adley doesn't care about destroying the Dolphins. He doesn't care that he's going to win MVP again. He just wants to win the Super Bowl. That's his only focus, and it's exciting yeah, to no, see him. For, for sure, this guy when he got drafted, when he got drafted by the Ravens in 2018, he said, "What are they going to?" They said, "What are they going to get out of you? They're going to get all I got. They're going to get a Super Bowl out of me." He thinks they should have won it in 2019. He knows that it was right in front of him every year that he's been here and. Things have just happened. This is the most prepared this team has ever been to get, to make it to the Super Bowl, and that includes 2012. This team's gonna go is going to the Super Bowl. This team's going to the Super Bowl. Yeah, it's no real show, man. Is. It's it, it's all right. Hopefully, press box yeah. isn't mad at us for running the, over. Uh, calling Lamar Gunner and Adley was was intentional. Yeah, I, 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 I knew that. Game. Hopefully, everybody else knew that too. Uh, Ryan, <laughs> thank you so much for taking the reins on the show, man. You really really helped out because I was at work super late last night. Um, thank you to all of our sponsors. Without you, we don't have a show. Thank you to all of our fans, listeners, viewers. Without you, we certainly don't have a show. Guys, I'm going to be a dad. It's coming tomorrow, baby. I cannot wait. I'm going to be a dad. The Ravens are going to go to the Super Bowl. The Orioles are going to the World Series. 2024 is going to be a baller of a year. I'm super excited. Happy New Year, everybody. Until next week. See you.